you have your Bibles, let's turn together to, we're going to begin, we're going to do all kinds of places here today, (laughs) but we're going to begin in John chapter 1, begin in the beginning. Now what's interesting is that as we look at the typical Christmas story, which uh, we find in Luke chapter 2, we find it in Matthew chapter 2 with the wise men. to give us an appreciation for what it was that Jesus did in coming into this world. So, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you desire to do something in each and every one of our hearts today, Lord. And we pray that the doors of our heart would be wide open to you, wide open to your spirit, wide open to your word. And Lord, I know my words would be as nothing unless you empower them by your spirit through the hearts of your people. So Lord, I humbly ask for your grace and the outpouring of your spirit, the opening of our ears today to hear the message that you would give to us, Lord, to lift us up and comfort your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's interesting here because John starts in a completely unusual way, and he says that in the beginning was the Word. We know that's Christ. The Word was with God. The Word was God. says that all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Can you bring me down a painting back here? Thank you, Pastor. Thanks. Uh, the word in Greek is, and I will, I will talk about it in a couple weeks here, so <laughs> the word in, uh, in Greek is the word logos, and it speaks of that which you speak. But it not only speaks of that, it speaks of the idea behind what you speak. And this is the word John used to speak of who Christ was. He was God. He was with God. He was the only begotten Son of God. And God used him. He was the the creating agent. All things were made through him. And so, at some point in eternity past, the Godhead determined that this word, Christ, would come into this world to redeem humanity. You know, it seems to me like it was quite a huge risk for God to create man, knowing all things, knowing what man would do, knowing that man would sin against him, knowing that man would rebel, and yet God determined that his son would go into the world. And Jesus was willing to do this. sense is kind of cool to know that God knows everything about you. He knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you've ever will do. And he still loves you. He still died for you. 
God can serve. And it says that that you know that He would uh, come and He would become flesh. And this revelation began very early on. God began to give little signposts along the way. One of those was in Genesis three fifteen. No sooner did man sin, you know, Eve took the fruit, gave it to Adam. He said, "Yes, sounds good to me. I will eat it." Sin came into the world, and God shows up. Of course, Adam and Eve are hiding, and and God says, you know, ultimately He says to the serpent, you know, you know, everybody's passing the buck, right? God, Adam is saying, "Look, the woman you gave me, Lord, she ate, and then I ate, and so everything was fine until you gave this woman to me, right?" And then she said, "The serpent, you know, he deceived me." And so, so the devil, or, so so God points at the devil and says, okay, because you've done this, the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so right there, God begins to set the stage for what would happen, that the woman's seed would bruise the serpent's head. Now, normally, every other place in scripture, whenever the word seed is used for a person, for a descendant of somebody, it is always speaking of the seed of the man, like the seed of Abraham, for example, the descendant of Abraham. In this case, God said the seed of the woman, which is very strange, but your seed, Eve, will bruise the serpent's head. Well, thousands of years went by, and God called Isaiah to be a prophet to Judah, and Isaiah said in Isaiah 7, 14, he said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We sung it here today. Emmanuel means what? God with us. The virgin would bear a son. That's not something that happens every day. And so we see the seed of the woman Isaiah went on to prophesy. Isaiah 9, 6, he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. I love this. There will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What an amazing promise. What an amazing prophecy. One that showed that this one who has come, the Messiah who was to come, the one who would sit on the throne of David and be known as the son of David was no ordinary child, was no ordinary human. You say, well, why do you say that? Because it says that his name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, of whom, of what other human being could ever have those titles? Only God in the flesh. A son born. 
son of man. And he would inherit the throne of his father, David. And he will ultimately be the one to sit on that throne to govern in righteousness and holiness and truth forevermore. How many of you can say amen? How many of you would like that description? It's coming, folks. It's coming sooner than we think. I hope that it's coming. So it's interesting that in Isaiah's mind, the birth of Jesus, his first coming, the first advent, as we say, the second advent when he comes to establish his kingdom, they're all one prophecy because they all are centered on the person of Jesus Christ. I love those names, and we could have a sermon on each of those names. It'd be wonderful. How many of you might have gotten that? Time is up, folks. Let's go move on. Over seven centuries went by, and then one day, the angel Gabriel paid a visit to a young woman, probably 15, 16 years old, in a little village called Nazareth. Her name was Mary. She was pledged to be married, and all her life was, she was planning her life, <laughs> but God had other plans. I've heard it said that if you want to, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. <laughs> because we have our plans, and that's fine. The Bible says that in his heart, a man plans his course. She was planning her wedding and all of this. But the Lord determines their steps, right? The Lord determines our steps. If, if 2020 has been nothing else, it has been that. That we might have all kinds of plans, but God ultimately has say at the end of the day. Amen? don't always go the way we think. And that would be the case here with Mary, because one day the angel Gabriel shows up at her house. And having come in, he said to her, this is Luke 128, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, which means Yahweh saved. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And it's such a wonderful response that Mary had. All of this. It would be very complicated. <laughs> the whole thing would be complicated. Especially when she, you know, Joseph, when jo Joseph pregnant. It would not be without trials. It would not be without difficulties. Not without tribulation. Do you know that anything that God accomplishes in your life, in my life, in the world that is of any value is always complicated. There's always going to be trials. Always has been. It'll be no different. Yet she said to, the, to Gabriel, she said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. God servant, do what you say. Now on the other hand, this was the greatest blessing that a woman could ever possibly know. To, to be the one to bring forth God's only begotten son into the world and have the privilege of raising him 
so the Apostle Paul gives us a little bit more insight into this amazing mystery. Philippians 2.5, he said, speaking to the church, speaking to people in the church, people like us, people that don't always get along with each other, and he's trying to say, hey, you guys, listen, if you have any consolation from Jesus Christ, here you have it. What's your attitude? You have peace. And he, and he, and he points at Jesus. He said, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You understand that this, Jesus knew it was a package deal from the beginning. He knew that this all would be required if he was to save and redeem mankind. And he did it willingly, and he emptied himself. And again, theologians argue about what exactly, what does that mean, he emptied himself? Well, in, in the King James Version, the New King James, it, it says, and he became of no reputation. One thing he laid aside was his glory. He would speak about this in John 17, where he said, Father, may I be receive again the glory that I had with you when you were with me. He laid that incorruptible glory, his glory. He laid aside his omnipotence. Well, I mean, his, his, his omnipresence, for sure. He had to be in one place at one time. But even his omnipotence, he said, I can do nothing of myself. Everything I do is because of the Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit would be pointing to that and saying, he, he laid aside so much of, of the attributes, the divine attributes that he would have had in the glory of heaven to be like us, to come and trod this floor Submitted to the Father, even when it meant death on a cross. And that is the example that we are given. The Lord would have us to imitate his self-emptying attitude of servitude in order to save others. That's why we are believers. We are to carry out. Yourself a Christian. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you are here for the purpose of representing to the dying and to the freaked out, fearful, upset, angry, rebellious, tearing their hair out world. Amen? our Lord's heart. 
because it says that, and the word then became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's an interesting word there if it's used, it literally means to pitch a tent and live in it. This word dwelt. Now, those, you know, Dave talked about family camp, you know, we go to family camp and usually what happens is like when we go, when we get our campsite, we, we have enough space there that, that our, our son and daughter-in-law and daughter and son-in-law can pitch their tent next to us sort of live together there for that weekend. That's pretty much what Jesus did. Jesus came and said, I'm pitching my tent for you all here. He may dwell among us in a way that God cannot, that God the Spirit nobody can see him and live. Nobody can see his face and live. That's what God said. So Jesus comes, takes a body, of that one word fellowship fellowship he wanted to have fellowship with people that word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia and it it's a very rich word it means communion sharing having in common John wrote in his first epistle first John he said, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came so that you could have fellowship with God. Union, communion. And that's why when he died on the cross and the, the veil in the temple that separated God and his holiness from man and his sinfulness was torn in two from top to bottom, signifying that you and I can come freely to the throne of grace whenever we want for fellowship with the Lord. Amen? I don't know about you, but when you really grasp that reality, and then, of course, not only did he come to just have fellowship with those 12 men and the disciples that followed him during the time that he was here on earth, but then before he said he's, he left, he said, it's better for you that I leave, because if I leave, then I will send the Holy Spirit here, and he will be with you for all time. And I will be with you even till the end of the age. How? By the Holy Spirit. And after he rose from the dead, he breathed on his disciples, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit came in them to dwell in them. And then he said, now wait until you receive the promise from the Father. And then on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to come upon them to empower them to be his witnesses. And Peter said, this promise is for you and for as many as the Lord shall call. That's us. And the whole point of that is that that fellowship is continuing with us through the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul would say, here's the mystery. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Amen? The Spirit of Christ is in every born-again believing Christian. And when you understand that, you know that you are never alone anymore. You have the fellowship of the Father and the Son. Spirit with you. Amen? 
he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And folks, when you understand that, you can walk with God in joy and peace regardless of what's happening in this world. Amen? And I would say to us that probably some of us, maybe one, could afford to spend a little bit more time in the Word and in prayer, a little bit less time watching the news or on social media. Anybody? says, uh, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. John was an eyewitness. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when suddenly Jesus, he started, his face was shining as bright as the sun, and his clothes were brilliant white. He was there, he saw his glory for himself. But then he was also there for all the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, you know, the, 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 the man that had been born blind and Jesus gave him sight, opened his eyes so he could see the, the raising of Lazarus after he'd been in the tomb for four days. John had seen all of this and said, man, there's glory there. Let me tell you, nobody has glory like this guy.
because they were cursed by the law, condemned by it. And so Jesus comes and he brings grace. Again, he goes through that list. Grace for grace. So, so he gives you grace to be able to believe in him. And then once you believe in him, he gives you grace to be able to live according to his will. Grace for grace. <laughs> Multiplied grace in our life. Amen? That's what he's getting at. Now, that's the gist of our passage. You know, and we can talk a lot today about judgment. so 
is what Jesus said. When we begin to see these things happen, when, when things begin to just come, you know, wind down, and people call good evil and evil good, and darkness seems to be prevailing, then look up. should our response be to these things? I think there's two questions we must ask ourselves. First, have I personally invited Jesus Christ to come and dwell in me? All of the prophecies regarding Christ, his willingness to empty himself, to become human, to die on the cross, to save us from our sins, all of these things are meaningless to us if we do not receive him into our hearts by faith, if we do not invite him and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my soul, cleanse me. John said in John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even those who believe in his give gifts to each other and leave you out. <laughs> if this is Jesus' birthday, and we're going to give the gifts to others, and that's what we do, 
what's the meaning of that? And so what we did are interface. Do you know what's interesting? 
There's joy, there's truth, there's life. 